This episode is brought to you by DD. DD is a higher education marketing technology agency that specializes in executing robust inbound marketing programs to help institutions attract new students more efficiently and effectively. They're the only platinum HubSpot partner agency that exclusively serves the enrollment management space. To learn more, visit directdevelopment.com. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I am sitting down with Tony Frega, who is the CEO of DD, to talk about stealth applicants. Welcome to the show, Tony. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Tony, can you just talk briefly with us about your tenure as a higher education partner and also just give us a little bit of context into the work that DD does? Sure. Yeah. You know, I've been working um, at DD and in higher ed marketing since 2005. And over the years, we've kind of changed our company to evolve as higher ed marketing has changed. And I would say been drastically changed twice in that period of time. And um, we work with schools large and small and have basically always been in the business of helping schools do the latest and newest marketing tactics and strategies that are um, they're typically not able to do on their own and um, helping them kind of do outside of the box thinking to recruit students and um, move students through the typical enrollment cycle all the way through to butts and seats. And can you talk to us just a little bit about, I know that you have quite the experience uh, quite the experience in kind of presenting in, in um, at various higher education associations and conferences. Can you talk to us just a little bit about your tenure as a, as a prolific speaker on all things enrollment marketing technology related? Yeah, you know, I've really been fortunate to have a lot of experiences speaking about the latest marketing trends and the changing marketing trends over the years, which has just enabled me to really listen to people. My favorite part in speaking is listening to the questions at the end. And actually, it's where I secretly learn what the biggest fears and concerns are of people in the enrollment marketing space, whether they're Marcom people or enrollment managers or VPs or provosts, doesn't really matter. They have big fears. And often, I'm bringing new thinking or latest ideas, but really they're thinking that to the next level of implementation. And I've learned a lot over the years that there's something that's always going to be there in higher ed and that enrollment managers and marketing folks are struggling with is the constant need to try and do more with less. They Mm. feel grossly incapable of being able to do all that's being asked of them in the limited time, staff that they have, and budgets that they're given. And that seems to only be getting more challenging. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I've loved speaking. And while I like to bring a lot of educational content out there, I also find it helpful for us and our agency to learn so that we kind of go back into the lab and say, hey, I spoke on this, but this is what I'm hearing from people. How do we solve that? And then we come back the next year at another event and we're constantly working on it. So I kind of look back at my slide decks. I kind of have them in my mind and literally like we, 
I would ever only ever talk about something maybe two years in a row at most until the pressure in the industry to change and talk about what's new and next is always there. And these days, two years is a long time. No marketing and marketing tactic seems to be the same in two years. And everything we do is there's this huge constant pressure to change and keep up with how prospective students are now engaging with content. So keeps me on my toes. <laughs> That's awesome. So today, I really want to have a conversation with you about stealth applicants. And before we kind of dive into the meat of the conversation, for the handful of listeners that we have out there that might be scratching their heads right now thinking, what the heck is a stealth applicant? Can you just briefly define this term for us? Sure, yeah. So stealth applicants are generally defined as um, students who show up at the application process. So they show up, their name starts at that form and you look back in your CRM or your multiple databases, whatever you have, and you have no idea where Sally came from. We don't, she didn't exist before and now she exists. She was stealth. She flew under the radar and just started her application. Um, and it normally is meant to, to account for that subset of applicants that you just don't have information on and don't know where they came from. Hmm. And so uh, kind of the impetus for this whole conversation was this article that you recently published actually on our blog, the Enrollify blog, and you claimed that there's really no such thing as a stealth applicant. And what I'm hoping you'll do for us is help unpack this claim for us. Help us understand what you mean by that. Um, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty bold claim, and I'm, I'm hoping you can just help us better understand what that means to you. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you for the opportunity to publish an article on the Enrollify blog. I know that is a, a highly um, coveted and a spot to get. <laughs> and I just want everyone to know that um, I had to wait a good solid, what, eight months to get my first article. So I knew I wanted my first one to be really big and bold and come out on something that I've actually felt pretty strongly about. And I've, I've said this in public at a few events in the last few years, but I haven't really been able to really explain in full detail. And so I'm grateful for Enrollify um, because you guys put out really good content on that art, the blogs. None of it's fluff. And I really was worked hard on that to really um, talk about something that I think needs to change and is kind of controversial in the higher ed industry. Um, so uh, why did I make that claim? Um, because I actually don't think stealth applicants really exist because we in the higher ed industry made it up. And mm. I'm saying this as an enrollment marketer myself. This is a term that my entire company stands to kind of benefit from, actually. If people think there are just these applicants out there you can't know about, it holds us less accountable to some of the marketing tactics. And it's kind of like, well, you just got to do a bunch of stuff and be everywhere like omni-channel. And you know, you'll get some people and some of it you can track and some of it you can't. And there's always going to be some self-applicants. I mean, in one way, selfishly, we kind of benefit from that. Hmm. So I'm kind of writing an article and making a statement that we don't, these don't really exist. And I think it's something that we in higher ed, we made up this term to explain something we thought we couldn't know. And it was true at one point in the past. But in 2020, to keep using that language is extremely outdated. So it sounds, you know, it would follow that basically what you're saying is that believing in stealth applicants is sort of a problem, right? So 
we made up the term in the industry. Perhaps it's, you know, it's an excuse, right, for not having maybe the tools or uh, software necessary to understand where every student came from, where every applicant originated from. But can you help us understand why this is such a big deal? Why, why is it who, you know, on the one hand, to address the enrollment manager's concerns out there or, or kind of question about, okay, you know, wh why should I care? Help us understand why it's significant that people working in enrollment management really uh, eliminate stealth applicants. Yeah, no, this is a great point. And I'll start with what the core problem is, put simply. Stealth applicants don't exist because it's just not true that Sally wakes up one day and just starts the application. The reality, even if her mother went there, if her parents told her, you're going to ABC University, it's where your father went, it's where I went, you're going to go. She was born wearing the, the garb of the school. She was destined to go there. You really think that she, along her journey, whether this is undergrad or grad school, doesn't really matter, is never at once going to go read stuff and consume information related to the school and the programs and the students who go there. It only is true in our minds, meaning it's only true technically sure. because our systems don't know what Sally did. Really a saying... Sally was a stealth applicant means our technology does not able to isn't able to capture where Sally is. But the reason that's a problem today is that with today's technology, and there are tons of solutions here, some of which are free, hmm. to not know where she went on your website, to not know how she engaged with social media is is such a farce that um, we really need to take more responsibility to be more data-driven. And so where's the problem for us as an in-enrollment management is that it becomes a crutch. Hmm. It becomes a handicap that actually enables us to be okay with not knowing a small percentage of applicants. Now, the, the a lot of people will say, but there's always some you just won't be able to know. And we have limitations with our technology. Like, hey, Tony, we just, we don't have that technology, so we can't do it. And I get that to an extent, but here's why it's a problem, even letting a small percentage fall under that. First, what I've seen, I've been in meetings and I've seen this at schools where they say, I ask questions and say, well, what about these folks or where did they come from? And they're like, oh, well, we just don't know their stealth. And if you dig a little deeper, they, they, it becomes a perpetual number in their benchmarks and their baselines year over year. Hmm. And it becomes this unsaid expectation that, oh, well, for 10% of our apps, we just won't know. And the other 90%, we know. They come from um, A, B, C, D, and E sources. Well, some of those sources, the numbers are really low. And that remaining 10% of people, that could totally move the needle and change whether source E, which looks like the biggest loser right now, actually beats out two other sources mm. and becomes higher. So you're making major multi-thousand dollar marketing and enrollment management decisions on advertising and recruitment events and grad fairs you're going through without actually having the right data. While that, that stealth applicants percentage might be small, if you were to trickle that out across the sources and actually know, that could have huge bearing on real dollars spent on student recruitment and marketing activities to engage students. Um, the other thing is just that Simply put, we do know where students are. We can know today 
with most higher ed CRMs can know, not all of them, but many of them can know. And if your CRM doesn't, there are tons of add-ons and other tools that can do browser cookie tracking. Um, if you can't do that, there are ways of better tracking email engagement. There are ways of connecting that with social media engagements. Now I get it might be data in multiple systems, but a good proper data analyst and some lookups can actually find where these people's first conversions were before they converted on the application. And if you can get to know that source, then you do a better job. So a lot of it isn't your software limitations, actually. It has to do with tracking. And today, you should be able to track. I don't care if you do billboard ads. I don't care if you're doing radio. right? When we do print ads and stuff like that, you got to use a vanity URL. So that vanity URL goes through the landing page so you know exactly everyone who responded from the print piece went through there. You're doing a billboard, it's gotta have a tracking code. You gotta have ways to track where people are coming from. Otherwise, especially with space ads and or big digital ad spends, I see a lot of these things where we come in and a digital advertising company comes and does hundreds of thousands of dollars of Google ads. And we ask, okay, how many of those people applied? And like, oh, well, we don't know. We just know that it generated a lot of traffic. And that, I think, contributes to this kind of vague stealth applicants qualification that says, well, they could have come from that big thing we spent money on. They probably did. So let's keep spending 150000 a year on our ads. But you're not directly connecting that. So just by having stealth applicants, you're enabling a question mark bucket for other big expenditures that don't have good tracking, they get to be accounted for kind of in the stealth applicants. Because, well, we're not sure that some of those stealth applicants weren't source A, so we should just keep doing that. And what I see happening in higher ed is people are afraid. They're afraid of cutting that out. And if they do, what if they don't hit their numbers? And then, ding, 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 it's really bad. And so I've learned that there are other culprits here, you know, there's other things that you need to do in your marketing. It's not all to blame on stealth applicants. But if you eliminate stealth applicants as being acceptable, as part of your jargon, as part of your plan, you're reducing the inefficiency of your marketing tracking. So you're actually enabling yourself to make better marketing decisions. You're going to have to do some things to make some changes there. But those changes will have huge payoff in dollars not wasted in other channels because you now have better accountability. So in other words, saying no to stealth applicants is really saying yes to more aggressive accountability and multi-attribution of your marketing tactics. Everything a school does should be trackable. If it's not trackable, don't do it. We'll jump right back into the conversation after a quick message from this episode's sponsor. I will never forget how shocked I was when I got access to their Google Analytics. I kid you not, they were bidding on their own branded search terms because their SEO was so bad and their cost per acquisition was almost three times the industry average. One of the things I love about my job is that I get to help enrollment management teams outsmart, not outspend their competition on digital advertising. At times, it can be incredibly daunting. I mean, there have been times when we're asked to generate five times the number of results with half of the budget that the previous agency had. And we've actually done it. At DD, our mission statement is, we help David speak Goliaths. Yeah, it's got a nice ring to it, but what this often translates to, practically speaking, is the need to deliver remarkable results with limited resources. I know it sounds a little weird, but there are a few things more satisfying than being able to send your client a report 
that details how we've quintupled their results and simultaneously saved them tens of thousands of dollars. It's not easy, but when budgets are small, staff is limited, and enrollment has slowed, you've got to work smarter and not harder. And you need an agency that empowers you to do just that. To learn more about DD, visit us online at directdevelopment.com. If I could just take a quick step back from and kind of summarize what I think you were just saying there is that in a world in which is very much a reality of enrollment management where marketing budgets are, are shrinking, right? Uh, the budgets that people have today to recruit students are in many cases either decreasing year over year or at the very least, you know, remaining consistent. The reality of the situation is that we just can't afford enrollment management professionals people working in higher ed marketing communications just really can't afford to have stealth applicants. It's, it's, it's really a liability. And what, if what I'm hearing you say, um, is, is correct. What you're suggesting here is that it's not the, the tools that we have at our disposal today, the strategies, the software that exists, it's all there. It's just a matter of being intentional about utilizing these tools, these strategies, these softwares appropriately so that you at least get your yourself 99% of the way there. Yes, right. there will always be this fraction of a percent that will be very, very hard to, to identify, but there's really just no excuse for us in enrollment management not to have better systems and processes in place to kind of bridge that gap and to account for, for mo- most, if not all of these people. The other thing that I think you said, which was which was great, was this idea that the the term stealth applicant and the behavior that is associated with it is incredibly contrary to what we know to be true about user behavior. Yes. Right. None of us wakes up one day, goes to a website and applies for a thirty thousand dollar education program. Right. Right. Nobody just decides to do that for the first time. Um, And so it's contrary to how the buying process actually works in education. So I love that. So this leads me to to a question uh, around how do we actually eliminate stealth applicants? Hmm. So what do you think some of the tools, strategies, maybe even processes do we need to have in place, do enrollment managers need to have in place in order to effectively at least begin the process of eliminating stealth applicants? Yeah, the first and easiest step is less actually to do with your application system and your application form. So I know that's an area of sensitivity. I know some people listening here probably just went through moving CRMs and now they're hosting their application on a new platform. And man, to touch the application form, you're asking for a fight, don't mess with that. Well, good news. The first step has to do with tracking your marketing tactics. And that means everything. That's not just ads. I'm not just talking about ads like digital ads on Google or Facebook or LinkedIn, or it's, I'm not even just talking about list buys and buying names of lists of SAT people or GRE lists. Those all should be tracked as well. I'm also talking about any event. Everything an enrollment marketing team or a marketing communications team at a university does is able to be tracked. You've got to go 
be a total tracking Nazi, but if you do that, it really turns out to give you the information you need to then backwards go back and find where those stealth applicants came from. But if you don't have good tracking, and a lot of that makes custom tracking URLs, you can do this with Bitly for free. You can make your own little tracking URLs. If you have sophisticated marketing automation CRMs, things like HubSpot, we're big HubSpot fans at DD. HubSpot makes it so easy to track not just the content marketing and inbound tactics, but even the other things that other departments might be doing. I hear this a lot. I hear marketers say, well, I don't have control over that. I had a conversation with someone who took one of my cohorts and she said, all that stuff you're talking about, that's all Marcom. That's not even my money. They're doing ads and I don't even know. But she can request, like you can request, hey, when you guys do this stuff, here's the tracking URLs I want you to use on your ads. That'll hold them accountable to put that so that your CRM is getting the source tracking on their efforts for you. I know that's cross-department, but every billboard, every radio ad, anything you do, every grad fair, every recruitment event, you need a code. You need a way to uniquely identify it. That'll put a bunch of data on spreadsheets. I don't care if that's on 30 different Excel spreadsheets. I'll take that over not. Yeah, it's a bunch of VLOOKUPs and a couple macros. You can Google that stuff and figure it out or find your data person to do it. Then you export your app data. Then you cross-check it. I know that's kind of old school, but that has the opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars for ro- most enrollment management teams because it will reveal which sources are actually worth remarketing, respending with. That money alone is way worth the cost of the time to do the data lookup, in my opinion. I love the this uh, claim you make in the article too, which is very aligned with what you just shared with us. But you make this claim that the biggest challenge facing the education industry is wasteful spending on quote unquote marketing stuff that doesn't work. And you claim that eliminating stealth applicants will also eliminate a lot of enrollment marketing waste. I think you've elaborated on that uh, already just now, but is there anything you would add to that? In other words, do you think uh, as you're talking with your clients or, or prospective clients, and a lot of them are trying to wrestle with where to spend their money, right? How to allocate their budget. In fact, one of the things that you said recently, which was really interesting to me, was you you claimed that you don't like the term omni-channel marketing, yeah, and because you think it suggests that everyone needs to be everywhere all of the time. So I'm curious, uh, in you know, in light of that claim, and also in light of the the idea that eliminating stealth applicants is in in many ways synonymous with eliminating enrollment marketing waste. Do you have anything else to add to this conversation? Yeah. I mean, you're um, already hitting on what I hope to be my next, if I am so invited to write again for Enrollify, my next article is about (laughs) the death of Omnichannel. I'm not a big fan of that. And I'm saying something that's really controversial, actually, in the marketing world. Um, There's a whole agencies who their whole existence is Omnichannel. The problem with this is that, and the reason there's wasteful spending, is because jack of all trades, master of none. We are spreading ourselves in higher ed so thin, trying to be everywhere. If the basis for our thinking is, oh my gosh, the prospective student is faster and smarter and they're everywhere, so we have to be everywhere to capture them, you, most schools, except a few, most schools will find themselves in a position where they're spreading their funds too thin across too many channels and none of their tactics are getting enough time or investment to actually produce enough results to be worth it. But they feel good on vanity metrics. 
they say things like, well, our Facebook ads got some, got some interactions and our Google ads got clicked and our email blasts have this open rate and this many click-throughs and they get all the metrics for each individual tactic and it looks like you're doing stuff and it's working. But when you do bottom funnel ROI, like how many of those turned into apps, how many of those turned into enrolled students, then you get the big revelation that kills some of those vanity metrics. Omni-channel marketers love it because the whole omni methodology implies the basis that I must be everywhere because you don't want to miss out. I disagree. I think omni-channel is going to die because there's way too many channels. We're getting new channels invented all the time, right? Now you're supposed to be on, what is it, TikTok and stuff like It's like there's new things coming out. You actually don't need to be everywhere. I disagree. You'd rather do less things but do them really well. Your dollar is going to get spent more powerfully. And there are just certain channels that if you don't have a certain amount to pay to play, they're going to be excellent at taking your money and really good at not getting you the results you need. So I just think that's one of the big reasons in the wasteful spending is not, no one's doing this intentionally. And it's, a lot of these are based off good ideas. But in the end, we really need the data to prove whether it works. I'm a big fan of testing channels. Uh, I'll use omni-channel thinking for a period of time, maybe a month or two or three. But that's for the purpose of intentionally trying to not be everywhere so that I know where I am going to be and where we're not going to play in, that'll save your team time because you just don't have the time and it will save you money. So I, you know, I think we're entering a new decade here and I think people are realizing like, wow, all these channels and tactics where we could spend our money and time. Look at what's happening with recruitment events. Higher ed marketers and, and enrollment managers are going to way less events today that they're going out to than they ever were before because they're realizing the expense of those things and how much time, and they're really asking the question, is it worth it? Now, I'm not saying all events aren't worth it, but you know, we love in marketing to stick to these ultimatums and that one statement becomes forever, and we need to be careful there. What might not work for one school might totally work well for you. There's some schools out there that are doing really well at direct mail to recruit students. I know that's crazy to say today, but that's because they've tested it and they know it works for them and their audiences and they know where they're not spending. And there's another school right down the street where that tactic won't work for them. So there's no silver bullets, but there is a way, there is a science behind this. And um, we have to really ask hard questions in higher ed right now because we're at a time where higher ed's being looked at skeptically and schools are closing and schools are merging. And there are hard business people looking at these schools and making tough business decisions. And so I feel like we're at this time right now where if you can't account for the decisions you're making with your marketing and enrollment marketing tactics and student recruitment, you won't be able to be allowed to do that for much longer. In light of what you just shared, it seems to me that in the pursuit of better understanding around different marketing campaign, different marketing channels, ROI, right? The real ROI behind each channel, behind each strategy, behind each tactic. Perhaps the a good place to start for an enrollment manager, an enrollment marketer that is overwhelmed and uh, their their data is a mess, right? The best that they have is is gut feelings and you know maybe a little bit of a, a Google Analytics report that says something. Maybe a good place to start in the pursuit of really understanding enrollment marketing ROI is 
by pursuing the elimination of stealth applicants because that's something that is very tangible. It is very specific. It seems a little bit more doable. Hey, if we can focus on how can we just at, at least start by uh, generating better insights from this group of people that seemingly came out of nowhere and kind of you know work work backwards from that. So I I really like that. Yeah. I really appreciate that. My last question for you is just a very kind of broad question, which is: Are there one or two takeaways that you would like our listeners to to walk away with today, um, in light of everything that? we've shared in light of the the article that you wrote, if there were one or two maybe practical things that an enrollment marketer that is looking to start the process of eliminating some of their their stealth applicants or generating better a better understanding of the ROI of their marketing efforts, yeah. where should they start? Yeah, my advice right now, um, and I've, you know, I've taught courses and done individual private consulting and I've had to listen and if there's one thing I think is so common out there is people do quickly feel overwhelmed. Um, they even go to conferences and they feel overwhelmed and they feel like, oh my gosh, where do I start? So I'm a huge fan of, I don't know, you know, uh, the book Atomic Habits, which its principles based off incremental change. And I think this is particularly true for enrollment managers and people who, who work in higher ed and have anything to do with marketing communications for it. You actually can't do it all. And you can really move the needle over a year, like an entire academic cycle, if you start with one thing and tackle it. So don't try and do it all. Like pick one channel and improve the tracking and just make that better. Pick one thing like stealth applicants and go on a tear to find out where they are. Or pick one other channel like paid social and just work on paid social. Start with one thing until you've got the process, you've got it tracked, you're happy with it then move to the other. Don't try and do it all because I don't actually think that's realistic for most folks because there's so much work we've got to do. And in a year, you will have done three or four. And a good three or four channels is enough actually for most schools and programs. Now that's, you know, a big generalism. And, you know, there's a lot of different size schools at different situations. But, you know, moving the needle on three to four things doing that one at a time quarter by quarter is enough to make huge change in your enrollment marketing metrics and your bottom line on apps and enrolled students if you stick with that. So that's kind of my advice. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for sharing your insights with us today. And on behalf of the entire Enrollify team, I give you full permission to uh, write that <laughs> blog post on omnichannel marketing and why you believe it's on its way out. Yeah. So uh, thank, thank you for you. your time. Thanks for being here. And we look forward to Happy talking to with here. you again soon. All right. Thanks. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.